it's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a world. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. From roommates to co-hosts, this is The Back Check with Brendan Azoff and Stefan Rosner, your go-to destination for New York hockey and NHL news. And now it's time to drop the puck. Here are your hosts, Brendan Azoff and Stefan Rosner. What's up, everybody? Brendan and Stefan here. We're the back check episode 22, Brian Boyle's episode. Big shout out to Boiler, one of my favorite Rangers of the last decade. Great guy, great player, big role dude. But, you know, role players are the, the theme this week when it comes to the Islanders, right? I mean, a lot of success from the back end of that lineup, a lot of production from the third and fourth line. Rangers have a big win against the Caps. Huge win against the Flyers. The Islanders followed that up with a huge win. I feel like every time the Rangers and Islanders beat a team by a lot, the, and they play the next team. They also get dummied by a lot too. So the Bruins, it happened to, and now the Flyers, it happens to too. But smiles right now, which is a good thing. Did Did you just say this was Brian Boyle episode? Yeah, episode. Uh, how, how about a Mike Bossy episode? I'm a Rangers fan. I I know, but come on. It's, Brian it's, Boyle is has had he scored more goals in the 2010s than Mike Bossy. That's 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 100 percent true. I, so, I would agree with you on so that. Recently, he is the better player. Fine, you know what? I can't really argue that. But, I mean, both New York teams got big wins. And for the Islanders, they played terrible on Thursday. I don't even know what I watched. It was just, it was Doug Waite-style Islanders hockey where just everything wasn't working. Everybody fell apart. Last night, though, was a different story. And it wasn't the fact they scored six goals. That's all good. But it's who scored the six goals. Let me just break it down. This was a slump buster in Uniondale last night. Pajot's first goal in 10 games. Eberle's first goal in nine games. Bavillier's first goal in nine games. Sezikis' first goal in seven games. Bailey's first goal in five. I mean, these are people that needed to score. Barzal did not score. He didn't have to score. Uh, He hasn't scored a lot recently. He has not. But do you know who was on his first line last night? Uh, I had this discussion in the car on my way back from Myrtle Beach. It makes no sense to me at all. Put Walsham on that line, please. Stop playing games. Well, the thing is, it's... Cl- there's no last, thing. There's a thing. There's, there's no a, thing. There's a thing. 
There's no thing. There's if if, if Wallstrom is the guy yes. that you think is going to potentially be on that line, why mm-hmm. not give him a shot before the deadline? If he meshes with Barzal, you don't need to go out and mortgage the whole entire farm system to get a first-line winger. You can get a third-line depth player like an Eric Stahl, which we have talked about. You can get somebody who doesn't cost as much and can play good minutes on that third line. They don't have a third line. Their third line last night was their second line. Uh, well, it doesn't make sense. The labels are completely ludicrous. And if you have this much faith in Wallstrom, put him with your best player. Like well, I don't get it. According to Trotz, there's just no labels. Bavillier has been struggling, so they switched out Cole and Bavillier. Wait, give me one second. I'm not they saying switched, anything. Okay, they switched out Cole and Bavillier. So Dal Cole played on the second line with Nelson and Bailey. The third line was Bavillier, Pajot, and Wallstrom, and. You could swap them. Take the third line, put them on the second line because that line last night, I've never seen Bavillier fly like he did last night and create like he did. And I thought it was really good for him. Leo Kormov on the top line. Before the game, I said, all Kormov has to do is stand in front of Hart. And when Hart moves, Kormov moves. And I was being 100% serious. Now, Kormov had chances to score last night, a couple. I think he ended the night with two hits, a couple of turnovers, but overall wasn't a liability on that top line. But he's not going to be there. That was for Bellows. Bellows got the night off. I'm assuming Trotz didn't like his play. He was benched two nights ago. He didn't play well last game. Nobody did. But you have to think that, you know, Lee's out for the year. You want to see Wallstrom up there with Barzell. I think that's the end game. But right now, Wallstrom has five points in his last five games, three goals, two assists, and he's played well alongside Peugeot. So I think Trotz's thing is, you know, we lost one player on the top line. Let's not ruin our third line. Because apparently playing with Peugeot has worked out. Not, not that Peugeot has been racking up points with Wallstrom, but Overall, them playing together has resulted in Wallstrom getting goals. Brendan, none of those points have come on the power play. No, Over I saw the two last night. Yeah, so, he got two assists last night, and that that's a good sign for him. But what I'm still saying is, <laughs> what do they need at the deadline? Well, what I think is, you're hearing more and more not about the Taylor Halls of Force, but you're hearing Felino on the Blue Jackets. That Eric, would be Stoll. a hefty mistake. Well, but you're, I'm saying that you're hearing more about those third line, those depth guys, not somebody to play the top line. But if you think about it, though, those types of players, you know, you would think about Anders Lee as a, is he a top forward in the NHL on a first line player no. or is he more of a second or third line guy? You'd probably <laughs> go with that. The thing is the way he plays, the style he plays, you don't need to go get a tell Hall second sit in front of the net for you. That's how that top line works. Barzal does his dangling, whatever you want to do. Eberle's got speed and Anders Lee parks in front. So if you're going to go and get a guy, to help the Islanders system, it's probably got a place to s- the way Lee plays, which would be a guy that stands in front of the net, like an Eric Stoll, like a Fleen that goes to the dirty areas. You don't need the superstar talent. And then you have Wallstrom, Pajot, and let's say stays Bavillier. That's a deep third line. It's a deep lineup for the Islanders, especially once Zeke is scoring two goals on the fourth line, which the fourth line was electric last night. Uh, yeah, but the first line hasn't worked. No, it's been, it's been rusty. Barzal doesn't have a goal in the last eight games. He's got one goal in the last 13. He's got three points over the last seven games. It's it's not I get, working. No, I get that, but let's say you put Wallstrom on the top line now. First off, you're putting him on, his, on the top line with Eberle and Barzal. Let's say that line starts clicking, but now the third line doesn't do anything. It's the same issue. Who cares who scores? But that it's wasn't really their score. third line because two players on the third line played more than two players on the second line. But that's what I'm trying to tell you. Trust isn't how ha- it's not a line. Just so saying third line. Stop. Okay, no fine, one, fine. They have lines. They have lines. four four units. Four okay. Units. It doesn't that are matter. wrongly constructed. And okay. I think that what you guys are looking at right now is the wrong lens. Yeah, you just throttled the Flyers. Congratulations. Oh. The Rangers did too. That's an abysmal team. Carter Hart, please never mention his name again as being one of the top goalies in this league until he can figure it the hell out. But 
you got to beat the other teams. You lost to the Capitals, who were on a back-to-back. You lost to the Flyers, who were on a back-to-back after getting throttled by the Rangers. Right now, they're not showing me anything. We talked about this stretch. They went on a nine-game win streak. Seven of those wins were against the Devils and Sabres. They're the only team in that whole entire division to play the Devils and Sabres six times. Everyone else has not even come close to five. And which they will. And which they'll have oh, to. And guess to what? But while they're beating up on the Sabres like the Islanders just did, who are the Islanders going to be playing? The Capitals, who they're 0-3 against? Mm-hmm. The Rangers, yeah. who they're 2-1 and against? And those are always close games. Yeah, You're going to play a couple more against the Flyers. The Flyers are nothing to write home about right now, but they could still win. They proved that. They beat the Rangers in OT, and they beat the Islanders once. I mean, there, there's you got to play the Penguins again. Mm-hmm. Bruins. Yeah, the well, Islanders have dominated the Bruins. Well, they're not right now with the Bruins up in the air. Tuesday game is postponed because of COVID. Thursday game That's is up in the air against them, which nice. I mean, the Islanders could use it. They have a. They were supposed to have a back to back Monday, Tuesday, and the Flyers this three game mini series here, and then play the Bruins. It's a good. I think I know as much. We don't want COVID to be a part of this. It's a very good off day to have. The Islanders don't have to go back to back. I mean, I, I hear what you're saying, but the Islanders didn't make their schedule. They did their uh, job. I'm not, I'm not saying that. They this they did their job, but they haven't shown anything against good teams. Yes, they have not shown they not shown their capability against the good teams, but they're getting the, it could be worse. They could be not showing anything against the good teams and not getting the job done against the bad teams. And they've gotten the job done more or less against teams that are not in playoff contention right now, which come the end of the season will be the determination of where they are in the standings and in the playoffs or not, which they really they should be because they're playing those really bad teams eight times and have absolutely dominated for the most part. Now, if they lose Monday against the Flyers, that's a problem because the Flyers showed in the first off, in the last three minutes of the game on Thursday where the Islanders scored three goals or whatever it was, not last three minutes, maybe last eight minutes. Islanders in those in that stretch when they scored showed how much better of a hockey team they were to the Flyers, how the defense just is abysmal for the Flyers. Hart doesn't make a clutch save for his life. He hasn't gotten much help, but he hasn't made any clutch saves. And they dominate yes on Saturday. So if they don't win Monday, that's a big issue. But before we go more into all of this, Thomas Hickey played in his first regular season game since April of 2019. This is how he did. 16 minutes, 34 seconds of ice time. He had one block, one hit, one shot on goal, was a plus two and had two points, two assists. I mean, just the stuff that he's gone through, he gets hurt. He loses his brother. While that's all happening, he's trying to get back to NHL. You have guys like Pulak coming up, Devon Taves coming up. He doesn't get that chance. Now Dobson goes down, and he's not the next guy to go. Sebastian Ajo gets the chance. He didn't make the most of it. Thomas Hickey comes into the lineup, new number, new number, wearing number 34, which is not what he wore. He wore four. Uh, excuse me, 14. He's back in the lineup. He played very well last night. And after the game, he was talking during his press conference about how emotional it's been to stay. You know, he said he never doubted his ability. He doubted if he would get the opportunity to showcase what he had at the NHL level again. And he made the most of it last night. And until Dobson comes back, he's on the NHL's COVID list. Obviously, it seems more likely now that he has it, which is probably another week and, week and a half. So Hickey, until Hickey proves he shouldn't be in the lineup on defense, Try to keep throwing him out there. And he and the lineups were the defense was different last night. Green played with Letty, which I liked a lot. Mayfield played with Hickey. And Mayfield wasn't great again. He, you know, he really botched the game on Thursday with a bad icing late and then um, lost his man for Lindbom's score with two minutes twenty-two seconds left to take the lead after the Islanders stormed right back after trailing three-nothing. But Hickey played well and just sort of such a feel-good story on this Sunday morning. Yeah, definitely a feel-good story. But how the hell is Nick Letty, 30 years old. Okay, so 
until you know, Rob Todd we had on the show. And first off, he's been playing Liddy's been playing since he was 18. He had won a Stanley Cup with the Blackhawks, but he was 23 when he joined the Islanders. Uh, I think his birth certificate is forged. Well, the beer doesn't. I mean, everyone. The, the craziest thing, and I heard people, and I'll call them out. You know, like Errol Marks. You know, other people that run shows, talking about how old Letty is and how he's over thirty. This was like a, a you know months ago. Quick Google search, people. He was twenty nine this whole time, and everybody thought, oh, he's been around forever. He's too old. He can't play anymore. Look what he's doing right now. One goal, twenty assists. He didn't pick up any assists last night, but he had three assists on Thursday. This is a man who has just been around forever. That's why people think he's so incredibly old. He just got to start young and won young. So, you know, that takes a toll on your body. He looked with a beard. He didn't look like he was under 30. But he, he's now playing like he's 23, 24. I don't know why. I don't know if he drank from the fountain of youth. But my, he just he looks like his old self, breaking through the neutral zone, getting into the blue line, making a nice pass off. I mean, the defense has been shaky. But that's what you can – you know, it's all about offense in this league and the offensive defensemen really dominate. That's why last night's line – I really liked because Andy Green's your stay-at-home defenseman. Letty's your, you know, he takes the puck up. When Letty was playing with Mayfield, that line was struggling defensively because Mayfield hasn't shown much on defense this year, and Letty was still taking the puck up. Now, Hickey and Mayfield was a really questionable move because you didn't know what you were going to get from Hickey. But Hickey showed that he was reliable in his own zone and could still play the game we saw a couple of years ago. But Nick Letty, I mean, he, like you said, check the birth certificate because he doesn't, he's not playing like he's a guy that's 30 years old and, this season, he's really looked like he looked like when he joined the Islanders originally and when he won the Cup with Chicago. I mean, I've had a, a hatred for Nick Letty for a long time because the shot that sent the Kings to the Stanley Cup final went off him and in. And <laughs> I, I was on a bridge, and I was always stay on that bridge. No, no. Well, yeah. I didn't jump. The Kings pushed me. But I think that if Chicago won that series, yeah. the Rangers win the Stanley Cup. And I have said that. I said that before that series even ended, and I will continue to say that for the rest of my life because the Rangers just matched up so much better with Chicago than they did L.A. L.A. was a big, bruising-style team. Chicago was more skilled, and the Rangers that season had the defensive system that could stymie that. So thank you, Nick Letty, for putting me in my feels for two years after that Stanley Cup loss. Yeah, he's born March twentieth, 1991. So now he's 30 uh, years old and a day. Grandpa. <laughs> it's just, it's just crazy when you think about it too that in the thirty two games that they, he's played this year, he has one penalty. Yeah, that means he's not involved in the play. Oh, clearly he's involved. Twenty one points. Don't do that to me. But I, Sorokin, Sorokin's on a seven game win streak, and he's seven zero when I wear his jersey. So that's always fun. It helps when you face five shots a game. He didn't face five shots, but anyway, he played pretty well last night. The one goal he allowed, he probably wants back, even though it was an odd man rush. It beat him blocker side. He just like a tad off his angle. But no, it was definitely a fun one for the Islanders at home. The crowd was going nuts. You saw the crowd, you know, sort of lose their focus on Thursday, which I don't blame them. The Islanders are showing zero effort, so why am I gonna? Why are the fans gonna waste their voice? But last night, once the clock hit zero in the third period, you could still hear the chance, and it was it was incredible. And for this Islander team. We talk, they have to beat the teams below them. It's going to be a struggle to beat the teams above them, and you know the Capitals giving them problems. Boston's been not an issue at all for them, but now with those games postponed, you're not playing those. You got to find a way to beat Pittsburgh. You got to find a way to close off this series against the Flyers, and you have to find a way to beat the Capitals next time you face them. It just you have to beat the good teams because it means nothing. You beat up on the bad teams. Guess what? You're not playing one bad team in the playoffs, especially this year. 
everything that's making it has earned the right to be there. Uh, I mean, the Flyers had eight high danger chances. Yeah, and the one of them went in. <laughs> it's just, it's uh, it's crazy. And he had what, such a smooth ride. What's crazy is that this Flyer team is like, if you look on paper, or you look at, they're not a. It's one of those. They're, they're very bad. Good team that are that is play, no, but it's one thing to be a bad. Team. bad. The Sabers are bad. Sabers are terrible, and it shows every game. But this is the same, similar or same Flyers team that we saw last year. They just haven't put it together at all. Their they defense, lost. They lost Niskanen on the back end. Yes, right? and the goaltending hasn't been good at all. But they haven't. Like you watch the game on Thursday, or you watch the game against the Rangers more specifically. You could blame maybe a couple on the goalies, but like when Carter Hart came in, no chance. Like he had no chance. The defense just watches. They sit back and watch the opposition do whatever they want to do. Yeah, and- they have the perfect coach for this, though. Elaine Vigneault. He knows how to lose games. We watched it in the, with the Rangers every single time they made the postseason. He just finds a way to lose games. Good teams find a way to win. Good coaches find a way to win. And then you have Elaine Vigneault, who does enough to get to the postseason and then goes, Oh, what am I doing here? So that that's why he has problems. And by the way, we all talked about everyone was praising Carter Hart. I was part of this too. His numbers were very mediocre last year it was, for a it, top flight starter. Do you know what it was? First off, the Flyers defense last year in front of him was unreal, especially when they went on that streak late in the season. That's and what it was. That's what it was. He, they got he got hot at the right time, and while we we're creeping up to playoff time, more media was covering. Wow, this kid's special. But it's Look back to all the look at Leonard on the Islanders. Thomas Grice when we were starting more games. You know these are good goalies, but you know you know Grice is not a number one in the NHL. But when he plays behind the Islanders defense, look at like you said Sorokin the high danger chances. Sorokin does not have to be good for the Islanders to win last night, but his stats are going to look great because you know he's on a seven game winning streak. He's got I think you know I'm tuning out the stat later, but his stats are phenomenal over that stretch. But look who he's played. Yep. Look at the workload he's had. It hasn't been good. Now you go to the playoffs. And like Varlamov last year in the playoffs, he stepped it up. You know, he but the Islanders' defense stepped it up, and you saw last year what happened in the playoffs when the Flyers' defense didn't step it up. Carter Hart looked spectacular, but ultimately losing in seven games the Islanders. And this year, the, there's been zero defense, and you're seeing Carter Hart's flaws. You're seeing that he has a weak glove hand. You're seeing his rebound control is weak. You know, those rebounds last year that don't go in because the defense clears it are now ending up in the back of his net. You're seeing boneheaded plays. Carter Hart yesterday tried to dish a puck in the slot. Josh Bailey, who never scores, and I'm shocked he didn't miss the empty net, hits off hits Bailey in the chest. Puck drops. Bailey just taps it in. Like that's how it's been going for the Flyers, and it's bad. But at the same time, all the teams in this East Division have to take advantage of the Flyers just being absolutely terrible this year. Well, Carter Hart is a three eight three goals against average. Going into, the, going into the game against the Flyers Thursday, he had a negative 13.13 goal save above average. And I was talking to a Flyers guy who made points that, you know, don't really look at the stats because it's all, look at the team in front of him. Well, that's true. A negative 13.13, which is uh-uh. second to last in the NHL. I'm sorry. If your team's in bed in front of you, the goal saved above average is the average netminder and the saves that you make. If it's going to be negative, maybe by point something or one point. Negative 13.1 means he is making 13, 13 or more, excuse me, 13 or less saves. Whoa. He's making 13 or less saves than the average netminder is making. That's not on the defense solely. That's not him. The defense hasn't been good, 
But Hart has not made the saves that he needs to oh, make. Don't give me the his team's bad in front of him. You ever hear of Henrik Lundqvist? Yeah. His teams were bad in front of him, and guess what he did? So please, if you're a good goal, you'll find the way. Carrie Price I, did it for a while too. I'm not so, I'm not oh, I'm not saying no, that. No, I'm not. I'm saying for those people that say, Oh, his yeah. team's bad in front of him. Where where were you when, when Lundquist was giving up four in a game? You were going, Oh, Lundquist sucks, he's not that good. Carter Hart stinks. Lundquist never had a three eight three. Are you crazy? Are you out of your mind? This is, I mean, he's got a lot to figure out. He's very easy to beat right now. He's, he, when he challenges, he's slow to get across. People can make easy moves against him. Zabanajad had him fight quick on a backhand move. And I know Zabanajad used to go to the backhand all the time, but it was stopped numerous times this season. And now he switched. And he didn't really have an exaggerated move there. He just went a quick backhand cut to the forehand. And Carter Hart was sliding all the way to the, to the subway. I don't understand where he was going. Uh, the, he hasn't made a big save like you said. And if you're going to face all these high danger chances, your goal saved above average should be better than average because you have more chances to make saves against them. But I guess you also have more chances to get beat, which he does. And it's just not good. But I think we have to talk about the Rangers a little bit. Well, before we do that, the one thing about Carter Hart is it's the biggest thing is he just, he's not making those incredible saves, which we saw last year, but he's not making the basic saves. And I get it. You know, you're looking at the team difference from last year, missing a big loss. But it's, it's not just about the defensemen, too. The forwards getting back. It's just odd man rushes, all that kind of stuff. So you look at Hart and go, okay, if those are going to happen all the time, the shots that I could see, like Sezikis' shot last night, where, where uh, Sezikis picked off a puck in the own zone, came around in the left wing, and he shoots it glove side and beats him under the glove above the pad. That's a stoppable shot. At that point in the game, it's 2 nothing. That has to be stopped. And it goes in, and it's 3 nothing. And that just changes the – that's how math works. But that just changes the game because if Carter Hart makes that save, which is a stoppable shot, you know, the Islanders probably still win, but it's not an onslaught of the pressure. But Carter Hart didn't make that big save his team needed and it hasn't happened all year. He's been bad, real bad. And the Islanders made a count last night. The Islanders made a count in the last couple of minutes on Thursday. Unfortunately, they had dug themselves a hole by lackluster play. But you saw in that Ranger game Wednesday just how bad – this Flyers team is right now. Can they turn it around? They they did last year. They're on a nice tear, but I don't see it happening at all. But we can talk about the Rangers now because after after Tim, they got under Ovechkin's skin. He made a count, and he scored two goals, and they they fall apart. And it's like that's one of those. That's how the Rangers season is going this season. But last night they rebound. Yeah, I mean, listen, when they're healthy. They're a legitimate pesk on anyone's side because they're right now they're playing very good defensively. And the, I, first of all, before we dive into the Rangers, I do want to say this. They interviewed Ovechkin about the hit, and he oh. said, that's a good hockey hit by Ryan Lindgren. He even broke my stick. That's good. a good play. I liked it. Right? He never once called for anybody to go. People are trying to fight Lindgren. They're not going to stick. It's a hockey hit. If you don't want to get hit, don't play the game. Okay, Ovechkin is a six foot, what, two, 240 pound dude. If he was pissed off at the head and thought it was dirty, he could fight somebody. We saw what he did to Sveshnikov. Okay, <laughs> oh, if we- he could take care of himself. Lindgren's six foot, 200 pounds. Okay, it's, Ovechkin's got a ton of size on him. That hit was shoulder to chest. Ovechkin got right up, went to the bench, got a new stick, came back out, and he wound up scoring. Right? That's how you play hockey. It's, it's uh, annoying. Clean no, hits no. should not be, you don't fight clean hits. Yeah, but I don't blame the Capitals for standing. You, you hit a star. If if it's he wasn't there, hurt, he got right back yeah, up. I get that, but let's say that was Crosby that got absolutely wrecked. You know that the Penguins, his teammates, are coming. Just to, not even if they think it's three or not. It's because you it just should hit be a penalty. A star. It should be a penalty. 
They didn't get an instigating penalty on it? No, they took him and Lemieux. Lemieux jumped in for Lindgren. It, it should be a penalty if you if it's a clear, clean hit and you start trying to throw hands with the guy. Well, we don't because have... If you're trying to get head contact out of the league, right? Yeah. And you're trying to minimize fighting, which they clearly have been trying to, even though it is coming up again this this year because they're playing the same teams over and over again. If you're really trying to minimize fighting, the what last thing you should allow in this league is players to come and press somebody who legitimately just had a clean, clean hit because you want to promote the clean hits and you want to minimize head contact. Lindgren did not elevate. He went through his shoulder, through his chest, I should say, with his shoulder. Ovechkin got up, was fine, came back out the next shift. That's a hit that if you try to retaliate, you should get penalized. Deter the retaliation of clean hits and promote the retaliation of dirty ones, and the game will police itself. So I would have been fine if both those guys got penalties, but the Peng- uh, the Capitals player stepped and gets the extra two for instigating. That's how it should be. But then it was four on four. No, I'm saying though, they, he should get an instigator though for starting. But the thing is though, we know how fast the NHL game is. So that hit happens. There's no time for any player in the Capitals to think in their head, was that clear or not? It was just protect yeah and, that, and that's that's what they did and i'm not going to blame their instincts for that should they get penalized for it yeah i mean you've seen plays in in hockey where some guy does not it's an, not a bad hit at all and he's down after the hit and he gets jumped and he puts himself in a, in a bigger chance of getting hurt even though it was a clean hit which is what you're talking about which they're trying to get get rid of but i mean ovechkin probably think on a hit like that in 10 plus years in a long time and, bodies. and i don't i think it was the rangers broadcast that said Ovechkin is probably the best power forward in NHL history. Yeah. And who said that first on this show? I'm going to guess you, but my memory is terrible. Me. Oh, do you want to know what I also said on this show? Hold on. Besides that the Sabres were worse than the Devils, and no one gave me the time of day for that. But that's besides the point. Uh, how bad Braden Holpe would be and how him <laughs> so to Vancouver was the dumbest contract I've seen because Demko showed just so much in the playoffs. This is what Holpe has done this year. <laughs> 12 games. First off, Demko's the starter, clear-cut starter. So they're paying Holpe all yep. this money to just what, teach teach Demko the game. If anything, Demko should watch Holpe, take the he's, notes. Say, he's teaching Demko how to get his turtles from the U.S. to Canada. Whatever. 3.57 goals against average, 894 save percentage. Still better than Hart. Still better than Hart, but wait. His goal saved above average is in the negatives, negative 5.4. Not as bad as Hart, but you'll watch Holpe's demeanor. Last night in a shootout against, against the Canadians, 5-4 loss. First off, Holpe faced, 18, uh, excuse me, Holpe faced 40 shots. So, you know, that's a lot of work. But the demeanor of the goals that went in where some of them should not have gone in, and he just look, he puts his stick down, he just looks up. I just want to slap him in the face. And he just like he looks defeated before the puck goes in, and then when the puck goes in, he's like, Well, I'm used to this. His neck is probably hurts the whole entire season looking behind him. It's just it's just he's not a good goalie. Yeah, and we talk about <laughs> we talk about Dumnik and Martin Jones and the Sharks and how that was going to work out. And Dumnik's been terrible. Some shot from the point uh, the other game, I forgot who they were playing. No screen in front at all. Beaten blocker side. Like, no screen at all from inside the blue line slap shot. Well, I'm not in front of a slap shot. You should stop it if you could see it. It just goes right past him. We've, we've seen a lot of brutal NHL goalies this year. We've seen some great goaltenders, but, you know, brutal. The save that. Was it Mers Lincoln's the other night? Unreal, but you know, back to back yeah, to New York, back to New York hockey. So the Rangers, I think, are in a position right now 
where they've proven to themselves that every single team that's in front of them, they're equal to when it comes to playing, right? Their record might not indicate that, but we've seen, I mean, even the besides the Islanders games where they've been semi-lopsided, every game against Pittsburgh goes to OT, every game against the Capitals is close, every game against um, the Bruins is close. So it, it becomes the point where you know if you play well, you're going to have a chance to win. And if you beat those teams, you're going to have a chance to maybe contend come the end of the season. The key piece to me is just Durkin coming back. I believe that he will be back tomorrow. And I, I not that hasn't been announced, but the way it looks like in practice, he will be back. And if they could play the way they've played in front of Georgiev and Kincaid for Shesterkin, which is a big if because they usually don't, I, there's no reason why this team can't rattle off five, six, seven straight wins right now. I mean, they're, they just lost a game to the Capitals where they dominated. And then they came back and won the game 3-1. And what a play by Zibanejad. I don't know if you didn't see it. But oh, I did. That was, I mean, that's vintage him right there. His stride looks so much better. Confidence. He looks quicker. I think he's healthy finally. They, they said on the broadcast that he lost 15 pounds during the battle it. of COVID. He changed his shampoo. He definitely changed something. Maybe he took an inch off the bottom. I don't know. But it, it definitely looks more like Mika. Like, not even just the goal scoring. Even when he was still struggling to score like a week and a half ago, his stride on the forecheck, he's now the first man in. When we were watching him dominate the league last year, he would just find a way to ease in. And, and like Panarin moves slowly, he's slow, quick, but he pounces and he takes that puck and he steals it from you, sets up plays, scores. He wasn't able to do that. He was too much of a perimeter player, which was weird to me. Now he's back in the grind and he's just, he looks like Mika Zibanejad, which is dangerous because Panarin's back in the lineup. They're getting healthier. All they need is just Sturkin to come back and play the way he did. Doesn't have to be completely miraculous. Just got to play the way he did and watch out because they might make a little run. I still don't think they're going to make the playoffs. I think there's too many inconsistencies like Capo Kaka. I don't know where he's playing because um, he, he just, it's not good. Uh, Lafreniere. Has his moments, doesn't have his moments, but that's a first-year player. Kapokaka is a second-year player. You got to do something. He's got, I think, five points. Just, it's not good. He hasn't scored in seventeen games. I really don't know what what he's doing there. Jacob Truba actually looks very good. I he wanted does. to say that he finally looks like he's finding some comfort offensively and defensively. Adam Fox is just a stud. <laughs> Thank God he was born in Long Island and likes the Rangers, not the Islanders. Uh it's it's there's so many positives that are mixed in with negatives, and I really think that Shesterkin coming back is going to put them into contention every single night. Not I'm not talking about contention for a cup. I'm talking about winning games because you could see that there's lopsided games where they lose and win. If he comes back, they're going to be okay. And as long as you know Quinn is continuing to watch what's going on and see and monitor. I'll be okay with him coming back. If he comes back right away and starts to do what he's been doing where he's not watching these games, like Zabanajad should be playing extraordinary minutes right now. Panarin should be playing extraordinary minutes right now. I'm okay with Kako getting less minutes because he's not doing anything. If you want to play, do something. Wallstrom played 11 minutes last night and he scored two. He had two assists. Kako, people are going, Kako has to play more. No, he had 11 minutes. He had two assists. Why can't Kako do anything? He had a two-on-one, whatever the odd man rush was, and he decided to pass to Panarin, but it was forced pass, turned to it. It's just bad hockey from him. He's got to figure it out quick. Uh, going back to Zibanejad, I think this season 
he wasn't confident in anything. Not about the shot. He missed the net high on some shots that he usually buries or he fumbled the puck. But now, slowly but surely, he's getting confidence in his passing. He's getting confidence in his skills with his hands. He's going to the right spots positionally. He's feeling more comfortable this year. He's finding his game. And now the goals are coming. Now the sick plays are coming because Zabanajad is now comfortable. And again, we, we saw in the NFL, Cam Newton gets COVID. Looks terrible. You know, you said he lost 15-something pounds or whatever. with yep. First off, besides the physical just exhaustion it puts you through, the mental aspect too, you know, it takes a while for people, especially athletes, to get back into the swing of things when they had it. All, this virus affects everybody differently. And if you ask the advantage, I guarantee he doesn't blame the virus. But it had an effect on him. It has an effect on his body. You know, maybe right. he's a little tired. He's fatigued. You know, he felt achy, all, all that kind of stuff. But now you're seeing Zabanaja, like you said, he's healthy. And when he's healthy, this team goes. And this team is, you know, again, they lose close games. They're going to lose close games until they figure out how to shut teams down. It's just a key. That's what happened with the Islanders until they figured out what worked for them. And now you're seeing well, them well, shut that's, down teams. That's the problem. They can't, they can't shut down teams. You got to attack. They're built to attack. The Islanders are built to shut Wednesday. down. Exactly. You got to, you can't. When, when they get a lead, they start to play like the 2012 Rangers. 2012 Rangers were great at legitimately stacking the five people in front of their net. You could have the puck for 20 minutes. They didn't care. They'd block every shot. And if you scored, they knew they would win in overtime because they just had that confidence about them. And Lundqvist was also there to backstop everything. This team's not built like that. The only way they're going to win games where they're up one nothing in the third is if they possess the puck and keep attacking. They can't go into the shell where they dump and try to play a trap. They, they're not good enough defensively for that. They don't have the amount of people. And they have to realize that their best defense is a good offense, especially in the third period. And when they start to do that, they'll be better. But Zibanejad's confidence level right now, Monday, tomorrow, book my word, they're playing the Sabres. He's going to score a goal from that Ovechkin spot in the slap shot. And if he does that, he's going to go five, six straight games with a goal. Well, you heard it here first, but one thing I wanted to point out as a yawn, <clears throat> it's really early in the morning, Brendan. Anyway, um, one thing I wanted to point out was Looking back at Wednesday's game, how did the Rangers' defense play? Because I know Giriev played a hell of a game. I didn't, you know, we watched the highlights. It's all about the goals. But was he pressured a lot? Were there a lot of chances against him? Are you talking about the nine nothing win? Yeah, he played. I, I'm, I'm just asking. Yeah, very easy to have a shutout when your team scores nine goals. Because I saw a bunch of big highlight, you know, highlight reel saves from him in that game. To at least they weren't going to lose, obviously. But I look at that game and look at the Islanders' game last night, and we talked about it all year. You know, you just said the Rangers are attack, attack, attack. They lit up nine goals. Look at the Islanders. People are like, we want 10. We want – Islanders would have – I was more happy to see the Islanders allow just one goal and shut down than score 10. They scored – they didn't need four, five, six goals. They needed a lead, and they got the lead. And, you know, you look at the Rangers where it's – you want to see the offense come through. The offense has been struggling to play as well as the defense has. For the Islanders, it was just about that. That was the first time they got a lead against the Flyers all year. And in every game except – that one, last night's game, the Flyers had a two-goal lead at one point or more during those games. So just to see the Islanders get the lead and hold on was good enough for me. And for a Rangers team where it's all offense, it was great to see. Nine's obviously unreal. Zabanadad had, what, seven points in the second? Six points in the second? Six, six points, yeah. and I have him in fantasy, so that was a beautiful thing. I mean, it's just it's crazy how you know Islanders and Rangers fans, same similar type of games against the Flyers, but, you know, I'm proud of one thing, while the Rangers fan might be proud of another. It's just, it's interesting. Well, the Rangers' goals for is slowly climbing, right? I mean, they're yeah. at two nine three right now. They're at 16th in the league. So, 
they're getting closer to that offensive form. I, they're going to need more contributions from these younger kids to get back to that form. But Panarin coming back certainly helps. So this guy's unreal. <laughs> I mean, I'd, I've never seen somebody who just points find him. I was never, ever watching a Rangers game outside of, as people mentioned on my Twitter, Yager, when he had that crazy year with like 120 points, where points just found him. And it's consistent. He was out, you know, took a leave of absence, comes back, point. It's just easy for it. And he's sitting on the bench, and everyone next to him is panting, right? They look like they're out of breath, and he's just smiling like, oh, this is light work. And it's like that Connor McDavid thing. When You see the goal where Connor McDavid came off the bench, kicked to himself, scored? Oh, yes, yes. But, yeah, that was a filthy kick. Uh, I mean, it just, it's easy for him, and it's, it's really a pleasure to watch. But if they can continue to get production from him, which they will, and Zabanajed starts to turn it up, then, yes, you're talking about a team that's going to start scoring again. I mean, look how much they started to score when Zibanejad kicked it into a gear. He's that important. never just having a great year playing alongside him. Kreider leads the team in goals at 14. So that line becomes scary. Strom, by the way, Strom's playing his way into a permanent 2C role. He just continues to put up points. So people can say it's all Panarin. Panarin wasn't playing. He was still putting up points. He actually looks pretty good. Speaking about, you know, Zabanajad healthy and back, Panarin doesn't miss a beat. Panarin oh, looks so like good. he's so good at hockey. And watching him is, you know, I get it. He's on the Rangers, and he, he didn't come to the Islanders. He took less money. He's a pleasure to watch play hockey. It's a beautiful thing. It's like watching McDavid doing what he does or Sidney Crosby doing what he does. It's just beautiful. When hockey is played that way, you just sit back and go, don't you, you can't take this for in 10 plus years, 15 plus years when Crosby's out of the league, Ovechkin's out of the league. You know, those stars you grew up watching out of the league. You're going to think back and go, wow, when they played, it was a beautiful thing to watch. Yeah. I mean, there's certain players, like you said, that are like that. When Barzal gets going and starts making circles around, it's cool. just like you see people trying to stop him. They can't. I mean, it's just players like that that are that good. So Ryan Strom has 24 points in 30 games this year. Yeah, he's putting those, uh, you know, he's not good with that unless he's at, well, you know, Panarin on his wing uh, aside. And it's good good to see from him, again, former Islander. He didn't really work out when he went to the Oilers, but he's with the Rangers. He wanted to stay here. He got his next contract, and he's making the most of it. You know, you know it's a fun game to play that I, most Rangers fans are playing right now, but you, you can play along, and I'm sure okay. Islanders fans that follow you can play along and, and give me their two cents if they want, but... There's a game where we have a player named Vitaly Kratsov who's in quarantine right now. We'll be joining the Rangers sometime in the in the next week or so. And there's another name named David Quinn, who's the head coach, who will also be joining the Rangers probably in a week or so. So they're probably going to come back at the same time. One's coming out of quarantine because he's coming from Russia. The other one has COVID. One likes to bury young players and not play them a lot. The other one is a young player who's trying to get some ice time. And the game that's being played is what line and line mates will Vitaly Kratsov have? Will he play on that third line and play with the Edel and Lafreniere and Edel and Kako or something like that? Or will he get buried and be playing with Kevin Rooney, Brett Howden, or Brendan Lemieux? It's a real fun game. I know the answer is, I think. It's going to be the fourth line. Correct. And I actually think that he will be playing third line minutes because the way that they're scratching Julian Godier right now looks like they're kind of opening that door for him. And as much as I love Colin Blackwell, I think that what he's done for the Rangers this year is phenomenal. The fact that he's playing on the second line over some of these young players is a, is a little iffy to me. And I understand why they're trying to get that Edel Lafreniere-Kako line meshed and going together. 
But when Kratzov comes over, one of those players has to go up. Blackwell is your fourth line winger. No and knock on him. And there's nothing wrong with I see, you know, we're in a day and age where the fourth line really is slowly going to, you know, we're not going to see our stereotypical fourth lines in the next couple of years. It's going to be everyone coming up is now fast, skill-based. It's skill-based league now. You're not going to need those. You know, everyone can hit, you know, fourth line. Look at the Islanders' fourth line. But that's like a vintage fourth line. Now they're scoring, and now is more emphasis on scoring. If Blackwell's your fourth-line winger, your team is just deeper. It's not, well, he maybe he can't play a fourth-line role. It's not about that. If you're smart in your own zone and you contribute to the offense, who, what doesn't matter what line it is. They don't call it the Islanders' fourth line. They call it their um, identity line. Okay, they go out against anyone. They play well. Who cares? We just talked about earlier. It doesn't matter one, two, three, or four. If Blackwell can contribute on the fourth line, guess what? The Rangers now have four lines deep. Who yep. cares? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. And Blackwell has the ability, it looks like this season, to produce in a limited role, right? He, he doesn't need a lot of chances to get that goal or get that production going. So why not have him play less minutes and let somebody like a Kratzoff come over and showcase what he can do? He had a great year in the KHL. Let's see what he can do. There's no cup aspiration this year. As much as people hope for, it's not a realistic thing. So let's see what these young kids can do in more minutes. And if Kako can't score a goal the rest of the season, uh, my God, send him to Buffalo. <laughs> send him to Buffalo. No, no, anywhere but Buffalo. First off, we didn't talk about that trade at all. Did you hear about... Uh, yeah, I saw the athletic report. Vogel, what he said? That's the worst goalie he's ever watched play in hockey. <laughs> he said he's never seen a goalie that... Doesn't stop pucks during a game. Vogel is his name. Doesn't stop pucks during a game or in practice. This is Johansson who goes to Colorado now. I said it's the worst goal he's ever seen play. He really didn't hold back at all. I it was so funny. The thing about this is <laughs> – Did you see the old tweet? No. I he, think was I covering, he was covering a training camp practice, and he said a lot of goals being scored. majority of the pucks coming out of Johansson's net. And he just – Obviously, there's something that's really bad about him in practice because for a guy who covers the team to be that critical of one player in particular, it's got to be really bad. Usually, they try to stay more level-headed. That's He's obviously not good. Well, you just see how the Sabres season's going. That's how it's going. I mean, if they got rid of a guy, right, for whether they get a couple of picks or uh, one or two picks, late-round picks for a guy that can't do anything, then I guess Buffalo won the trade. That's their first win of the year. <laughs> so uh, I mean, yeah, but we'll see. Johansson might turn into a Vesna winner because he left Buffalo. Oh, I hope so. I really do hope so. Mm-hmm. I mean, didn't, didn't one of the players used to do that? Robin Leonard. Robin Leonard, yeah. Robin Leonard left. Uh, what what players leave Buffalo and get better? Because for the Islanders, Ryan team, O'Reilly. Uh, yes, but he was he was he wasn't great on Buffalo, right? He left and got good. Uh, but, he he was good, but he wasn't. He didn't have the recognition that he had when he got St. Louis. Usually, it's a place you go to die. Doesn't matter how good you play, you just go there and you're irrelevant. Eric Stahl, he's been good this year. Irrelevant. He hasn't been great, but he, you know, he's still Eric Stahl. Irrelevant. Matt Molson left the Islanders, went to Buffalo, died off. Oposo is on Buffalo. Irrelevant. So many players just go to Buffalo and become completely irrelevant, and it's sad because it's just the identity that Buffalo has built there. With their, they have no leadership. Not talking about Eichel. I'm talking about upper management leadership, yep. and it's tough. It's tough to see and. Again, though, I said they were going to be worse than the Devils. No one gave me the time of day, and I just want to say you're wrong. I told you this was going to be the case. Taylor Hall has got nothing on making Buffalo a contender anytime soon, and he'll be gone soon enough. They already said there that he's, you know, the likelihood of getting traded is, is pretty high. So 
That's Buffalo for you. But Brendan, both yes. the Islanders and Rangers are back at it on Monday. Islanders are in Philadelphia at seven o'clock. Rangers host the Sabers. Both must win games for these two teams. I mean, it's the Islanders can win two out of three from the Flyers after losing the first two meetings of the season in overtime. Those are big points there. And the Rangers are six points out of a playoff spot with a couple of games in hand and the people in front. But you got you got to beat the Sabres. You just have to. You got to yeah, show you up. Do. You, you do. Gotta you show, definitely yeah, do. you got to show Eichel from the press box that, hey, get ready to join us because this is what winning's about. You, you lose a game against Buffalo this year, it's on you. It's not because Buffalo out deserve. I mean, yes, if they beat you, sure, maybe they do deserve it. But you're usually beating yourselves if you lose to Buffalo. You know, it's a little, a little tidbit that we could end the show on. What? What's the Islanders' record against the Rangers this year? Uh, two and one, right? Yeah, that means they have five games left in this home stretch. We already talked about what this could be. Come season this, this is going to be a fun month and a half, man. A fun month and a half. And when you look at these two teams, if the Rangers tend to go on a little bit of a run now, and say the Rangers can get within four points of that final playoff spot, and four of their last whatever, however many games are against the Islanders. <laughs> Those are, that's going to be some good hockey. And now there's fans in the building, too. There is, go. starting in April, starting the second week of April, the Islanders play the, play the Rangers four times. So each week there's a Ranger game against the Islanders for four weeks in April. The last week of the season, no Ranger game, but from April 1st till the April 1st to the second week of May. There's just straight one Rangers Islanders game every week. Uh, yeah, I might be off a little bit, but they do play them often in the end of the season, and it could come down to that final. The last game these two teams play against each other is on, let's see, May first. May first, well, the season ends May eighth. That that means that there is ten points up for grabs between the two teams. You look at the, the standings right now; that's a extremely valuable ten points. It's more valuable for one team. Because one team only has thirty, the other team has forty-four. But come come the time where they play each other, especially in the month of April, we still got you know two weeks. We're going to be watching an Islanders Rangers game with one team, and then the next week we're going to be watching a post trade deadline team play. And it'll be interesting to see at that point who makes what types of move. Are the Rangers going to stand pat, sell? I really don't think they're going to buy anything. They I think sell. that I don't think they should sell because what are you selling? No, no, you sell. I wouldn't sell. I mean, if you're selling, no, you're buying Eichel, but I'm saying that you're getting rid of those. You know, you have a lot of young talent. That Eichel's is- an off-season thing. Eichel won't get moved to the off-season. No, yeah. I don't think so. I. But the thing is, who do you sell? Right? You're not looking to move any of these young players or no. somebody like a Booch, who was your expendable guy, is now your best forward this year so far. Yeah, can't move him. So do you sell high on Strom? who I think looks really good and nobody else has really taken that 2C spot. You don't have to. That's what I'm saying. I think they literally stand pat. They should. And if anything, the, Island- the Islanders have to be buyers. Let's say Hickey steps in. There, there's no doubt. Hickey yeah. might have played so that he could get traded. Well, at the very least, I don't think it, well, scouts are going to look at one game for a 32-year-old or 34-year-old, whatever, however old he is, is the make-it-or-break-it moment for him to get traded. But he could still, you know, some teams could use a seventh defenseman, a bottom six. And now I would hate to see him get traded if he plays well here, but at the same time, I'd rather see him play. You know, when Dobson comes back, he's not playing. And if he could earn himself an opportunity to play somewhere else and play every night, definitely deserves it. would love to see him get moved, but the honors have to bring in a forward of some 
status, whether it's an elite forward or a third line depth forward, just someone's got to be brought in. They signed that guy, Golishev, who should join the, he could join the team this season, join Bridgeport soon. Nothing amazing uh, when playing in the KHL, but he, he was a good player. And if he could add a scoring touch, by all means, he's a much cheaper option than going out and giving up everything for a guy like Taylor Hall. Correct. Uh, that's why I think, like, going wrapping everything up, you have to give Wallstrom a chance. You have to just to see what he can do. Because if he can mesh with him and they can start to score together and Barzal can find him, we see in Wallstrom's shot. Now it puts so much less pressure on Lou to go out and find somebody that can get and produce at that top end, right? Put somebody on that third line that can play solid defensively, can contribute offensively. You know, somebody like Astol, for instance, who we've mentioned numerous times now on the show, playing with Pajot would be a great fit, especially in the postseason. Because we've seen what Pajot can do in the postseason. It just makes everyone around him better. So now you're putting a guy like Stoll, who's proven in his career he can score. He's a little older now, so he's not at that same level. Come postseason, he might be ready to go. He was great with the Wild last year. He, cer- he certainly was. Well, Brendan, I know we had some uh, technical difficulties early, but we, we got through this. We got through Always. this show. Um, we'll have a pre-recorded interview for you guys on Wednesday with a hockey agent. Really cool story about him. We'll get that to you on Wednesday. So until then, yeah, it's been a great episode, Brendan. It has. The Back Check is your one-stop shop for NHL news and all things Rangers and Islanders. Thanks for sticking with us for this edition of The Back Check. Follow the show on social media at Back Check Pod.